Hello, I'm Mark Petruzzi, host of Selling the Cloud podcast. And I'm Ray Reich, your co-host of the show. We talk to a wide variety of cloud and SaaS industry thought leaders and revenue generation experts. Who share their unique insight into what is required to build and grow a great business in the cloud. Now, on to today's show. Welcome to today's episode of Selling the Cloud podcast. I'm your host, Mark Petruzzi, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Reich. And today we are happy to have as our guest, a friend of both Ray's and mine, one of the best in the business, Gerhard Swatner, founder of Selling Power Magazine and Sales 3.0. That will be me. And Gerhard, today we'll be covering three main areas. So number one, we want the audience to know a little bit more about your journey that led to the founding of both Selling Power Magazine and then the Sales 3.0 conference, how the positive mindset, that whole philosophy changed the focus of you and your business. And lastly, how does a positive mindset impact the performance of B2B sales professionals? So Gerhard, can you take a moment and just give a brief background to our listening audience of your journey? Absolutely. As you may recognize for, by my name and my accent, I'm originally from Omaha, no, <laughs> Salzburg, Austria. And I worked for an international construction equipment company headquartered in France, in Paris. And I worked for them in Austria, the Austrian subsidiary, got involved very early in sales. I really loved it. And then I got a transfer to the headquarters and it did sales training. And we built sales training kits and materials for 1,400 salespeople in four languages in 42 different countries. And it was really a great experience. It was the fast growing company in France at time. And then I got a transfer, got married to an American, and they said, why don't you go to the American subsidiary and help them out and create a liaison between you know those two countries. And I instantly moved and uh, got a, an assignment for a year. And they said, I need to go back, but I liked it so much. So after two years of uh, doing training in the United States and sales and sales management, I started my own company, uh, Gerhard Schwantner and Associates, a very, very catchy name. And I designed sales training programs for B2B sales organizations. And then my wife and I are twins and she said, hey, you're traveling all the time. You're doing a lot of training. Is there something you can do where you can stay at home? And I said, sure. I know how to develop training kits. So I created the languages of selling verbal and nonverbal selling power and I sold it through direct mail. And I realized very quickly that this is not going to get me off the road because the margins are so small because direct mail expenses are so high. So I reconfigured things and I, I created a eight-page newspaper tabloid, which was less than half the cost of the fancy direct mail piece and put articles together on how to sell more professionally, more effectively, how to be more motivated, and I had a two-page ad for my course and sent out 25,000 copies. So it was less than half the cost. And I sold just as many training courses. But then came the interesting part. Got a call from somebody say, hey, I'm with 3M. Can I buy 100 copies of that newspaper that you sent? 
And I said, what are you going to do with it? And he says, I want to share with my salespeople because there are good articles in there. And I thought it was funny that somebody wants to buy my direct mail piece. And I got other calls and I sold like 2,000 copies. Then I created volume one, number two. And the same thing happened. I sold three, 4,000 copies. And then I realized there was a market for the content, not just for the training course. So I created with the third edition, created an ad and said in 81, we come out with uh, six issues, say $12 and you get a one year subscription. It was not, not a lot of money, but I said, if I get 500 subscribers or more, I continue. If not, I refund the money. And within six weeks, we had 1200 paid subscribers. By the end of the year, I had 7,500, 80% of them renewed. And fast forward, we went to Glossy Magazine, we went on newsstands, we went in the back seats of every United Airline plane worldwide, and we had great distribution, we had 150,000 circulation. And by October 99, I was offered a check from Prime Media for $10.5 million to sell the company, and I decided not to do it because I thought it's not about the money, it's about the ride, it's about the thrill, about the love for contributing to the profession of selling. And then things changed, the tides turned and uh, advertising revenue, you know, when the internet came, went from like five and a half million dollars a year to 850,000 in three years. And we had to find ways to shift and become a digitally transformed company. And we came up with the idea of doing a conference. So 12 years ago, we created Sales 2.0, a conference where we got sales leaders together, like four or 500 in one city at a Four Seasons Hotel. And we talked about aligning people, process, and technology, had great speakers, got sponsors, and that model worked really, really well. And then the uh, COVID came and we shifted the model again to an online conference, which now attracts about a thousand people from 44 different countries worldwide. So we still publish the magazine as a digital magazine online. We have stopped print like six years ago. So today we are much leaner, more efficient, and I think we're able to help more people than ever. Excellent. Well, why don't I lead, Ray, with question one here for Gerhard. So, Gerhard, you know, you've been informing, educating, you know, influencing and coaching sales professionals for a real, real long time. I think longer than uh, you probably would want to admit, although you did mention when you started all this. Tell us a little bit about how the B2B sales profession has changed, you know, and what's next? Well, it's very easy. The, uh, the profession changed and we reported on all the little twists and turns of the trend, how technology impacted the buyer-seller relationship. And I think technology changed every person in the world. You know, the first trends were online and then social mobile, big data and cloud. And then uh, came the wave of AI in sales. So we have predicted a lot of those changes and reported on them and to help people explain what they need to do in order to be up to date. But the biggest discovery for me was the logical universe is very definable by data and the data universe is only half the story. There's another universe, which I call the mindset universe, which is really largely driven by the unconscious. It has a far deeper impact on people 
than they assume. And when I interviewed really super successful people, I've interviewed gold medal winners, I've interviewed CEOs, I've interviewed billionaires, entrepreneurs, people in the profession of acting or directing or the arts. And I found that the key to success, there are really three keys. You need to have the right mindset, the right skill set, and the right tool set. You know, to give you an example, Bill McDermott was a, a sales rep for Xerox, and he became the youngest vice president in the company. They gave him Puerto Rico as a territory, and it was the last ranked territory in the country. And within 12 months, he made him number one. He went on to SAP and transformed SAP. When he started, it was a $49 billion company. And when he left, it was a $175 billion company. So he has a mindset that I would call a growth mindset, a transformer mindset. And he's an encourager and he recognizes talent. And when he left SAP, it went over to ServiceNow. And ServiceNow in October 2019 when he started, had a market cap of about $40 billion. Today, the market cap of ServiceNow is over $100 billion, which is amazing. So to me, the mindset translates into money if you have a mindset that is not burdened by the past. It's not burdened by self-limiting beliefs, and it is enhanced by the belief that anything is possible. You know, Garrett, we're going to double click into the positive mindset in just a minute, but I want to back up because you talked about toolkit right. and the skill set and the mindset. Over the last 10 to 20 years, the toolkit has increased dramatically that a sales professional has. However, right. performance is going down and down as measured by quota achievement. And quite frankly, even by satisfaction of the job sometimes. So why is it that performance is going down while the toolkit is going up? Well, I think that the measures are not really the right way. The metrics gives you a different perspective when you look at what values companies create in the market and what is the market cap of a company that's far more important to look at a, a far more significant number than the forecasts. The ability to predict sales is a function of sales performance management, which means that you start with the right people on the bus, you give them the right onboarding, you give them the, the best territories, you give them fair territories, you know, give them opportunities to grow within those territories, give them sales enablement, give them sales training, give them the right incentives, pay them on time, pay them accurately. So to me, companies that have good sales performance management practices and platforms, they have a predictable sales organization. They come in at 80, 90, 100% of their forecast. And so if you don't have the right people on the bus, you don't have the right skills, you don't have the right tool set, then you need to be happy with hitting 50% of your quota. Yeah. And I think that's why I asked a question, You, especially in the SaaS and cloud industry, we now have over 35,000 SaaS companies in the world. And that's grown exponentially over the last five years. And right. I just don't believe to your point that most organizations have the skills or the people or the focus to onboard sales professionals, get them enabled and trained. And that's why less than 60% of salespeople in the SaaS industry made quota last year. It's a shame because we're discouraging those people from continuing their sales career. 
It's a real yeah, shame. I think that SaaS companies need to practice what they preach. You know, they they come up with great technology solutions, and uh, they're like the shoemaker's shoes. They are salespeople. You know, I I won't mention any company names. But a company recently hired like 200 salespeople and promised them uh, no cold calling. That they all get laptops. They all get CRM systems. And uh, three months into the job, less than half had laptops. Less than half had a CRM system. I mean, it's foolish to think that because you have a great product that the product is going to sell itself automatically or online and that, you know, you can create a money machine. You need to be very diligent about delivering what you promise. If you get the right people into the company, that's step one. If you give them the right training is step two. If you give them the right processes is step three, but you need to have ongoing coaching. You need ongoing learning. You got to transform the sales organization into a, an ongoing learning machine that's obsessed with creating value for the customer. So there, there are many moving parts to that. And uh, it's not rocket science, really. There are some companies that are really, really good at that. Look at Gong.io, how good to execute in the sales function and look at the market value of the company today. It's much more valuable than any company in that space. Why? Because they have an excellent sales machine. Yeah. And you know what? What's really interesting about all of that, Gerhard, is this, you know, it's impacted by history. And the history, most of the executives, most of the people who are in SaaS and cloud started in enterprise software, started in client server, or potentially even mainframe before that. And the whole way of selling is very different. You know, when you have an ARR, you know, an annual reoccurring revenue that you need to drive and you have clients that can get out of a contract, you know, sometimes with just 60-day notice or other times maybe every year and really have an easy transition to an alternative to a competitive product. It really is about churn. It really is about selling for a long-term relationship, not selling to close the deal. And we still amazingly have individuals that are still in senior leadership positions, again, at companies that I won't name names either, that still have that old mindset. It's all about closing a deal for a quarterly close and not about building and setting up the deal correctly to hand it off to a customer success team to keep this client for life or for at least very long periods of time. Well, I think the first one, one of the pioneers was Mark Benioff with Salesforce.com, where they came up with the subscription model. And he created a customer success team. And I, I remember Jim Steele was the president of Salesforce. And he was watching those numbers very carefully on how satisfied are customers. And if you maintain that relationship with the customer post-sale and make it easy for them to renew, they will stay with you forever. Yeah. Let's do something that a lot of great entrepreneurs do. And we're going to pivot, Gerhardt. And we're going to pivot <laughs> to... Something, I was out in Tyson's Corner about four and a half years ago, and we sat down, and I wanted to talk about skill set, and you started to talk to me about the power of the positive mindset. And I walked out of that meeting saying, I might be focused on the wrong thing that I'm providing my sales organization. Can you tell me a little bit about what the catalyst was for your focus on the positive mindset, and quite frankly, what is it? 
Well, in essence, the mindset is when you look at yourself and you uh, assess yourself and say, how well am I functioning on a cognitive level? Meaning, how well do I understand the world? How do I interpret reality? Secondly, how well do I function emotionally? Do I take time out to uh, practice mindfulness where I can be in the present moment, can be more effective in the present moment? Ask yourself the question, are you mindful or is your mind full? And we need to empty our minds. We need to learn how to flush out all that head trash that accumulates during the day. So we are available to the customer in the present moment so we can sense the individual. We can really listen to them with the intention to understand, identify the problem and solve the problem. So those are skills that are not taught to salespeople today. Some some companies do teach that, but also how well does your mind function? You know, there are really three time zones that we live in. One is almost like a video channel. You know, do you tune into the history channel? Do you think about the past? Do you tune into CNN? Are you focused in the present moment? Or are you focused on the sci-fi channel of what may happen in the future, uh, good or bad? So those are three time zones of awareness. And some of it is below our awareness, really that we, we are not aware of. Sometimes people, you know, I, I give you a, an example. I coached the CEO of a size company and he asked me to give him my opinion about the VP of sales. And after I interviewed the v, VP of sales, I realized that there was little control of the sales function on the part of the CEO. So I went back to the CEO and I said, how come that your relationship with the VP of sales who is in charge of revenue and 18 salespeople, how come that you are so removed from monitoring the performance? And it turned out after a much longer discussion that his dad was a Marine. He was very controlling. And he says, I never want to be an over-controlling SOB to anybody. So when I hired the VP of sales, I gave him my parameters, I gave him my goals, gave him my vision, he bought the vision. And then, you know, I look at the sales maybe once every three months. And I thought, how is that possible? I said, is there a different way to think about that? Because what you have done is you have moved from over-control model, your father, to a laissez-faire approach where you really abdicate where you you don't assume the responsibility. And I said, you went to Wharton Business School. You know that there has to be an accountability step. They have checks and balances that you have to get weekly reports or daily reports of what's going on. So you finger on the pulse of the business. And, you know, the reason you ask me about the opinion about the sales VP, because he's a reflection of your mindset. So once you shift your mindset, then you will have different results. And that's exactly what happened. He shifted from a let go and, you know, he was focusing on research and development and new product development. And he realized that his company was shrinking because of that. And then once he shifted the mindset, the company doubled in revenue the following year. With that VP of sales? With a new VP of sales. He fired his own mistake. Interesting. You said something that really triggered me. 
Do you find that leadership's mindset really does rub off on the entire organization? So mindset really starts at the top? Yeah, you look at any leader of any corporation. I've interviewed so many you know, very successful people. Let's take Michael Dell. I interviewed him when he was 28 years old and the company already did $2 billion worth of business. And I was in Dallas, you know, got a tour from the president and they had a meeting. I'll never forget that meeting. There were 200 senior leaders and it was Michael Dell and the president and they wanted to hear from their team what is happening in each department. So there was manufacturing, there was sales, there was marketing, there was service. So all the leaders were in one room and they intelligently teased out all the operational roadblocks that held the company back from growing and eliminated those roadblocks on the fly instantly. And that open mindset, you know, where the leaders exposed their chest to daggers, potentially, you know, was helping them win and get the problems out of the way so that the group was not bickering and pointing fingers, but they were co-creating solutions. So if you have a mindset where you go into a meeting with the intention, I want to co-create a solution versus if you have a mindset and go into a meeting as a leader and say, I want to find that SOP who is, you know, holding us back from growing. Mark, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, you know, where my brain is going in all of this is kind of the other way. So I love the idea of the leadership side. And we all know how successful leaders, some of the best in the business, Michael Dell, Steve Jobs, whomever, Mark Benioff is a great example. You know, that mindset permeates throughout the entire organization. But I think there's another way that that is very often overlooked, and that is the sales reps at the most direct level, the ones that are one-on-one with the company's clients every day, there's very little thought about what their mindset is. And if, frankly, and I've seen it in different companies, if someone kind of comes into a sales team and says, well, you know, yeah, let's get the mindset at the right spot. You have in many CROs, many sales leaders, this reaction of, This is the touchy-feely stuff. This is the qualitative stuff. And I want to go towards metrics. I want to go towards training and making sure my team really understands. And, you know, Gerhard, one of the reasons I've been such a fan of your work and so behind some of your things is you really drive it the other way. And I know you believe that it's got to start at the sales rep because as any good CEO knows, that's really where the rubber hits the road within an organization. So just the idea of getting the mindset of your sales team in in the right spot. And I'll give one little example on that too, is the perfect example of we always want motivated sales team. And, you know, there is a part where some additional pressure, as you mentioned from the CEO, a little bit of monitoring where the numbers are and what the close ratios are. It's all really important stuff. But often we take the sales team and we move them to a level of pressure and a level of, you know, moving and a velocity that ends up causing a lot of mistakes or a lot of very poor interactions, which turn into poor relationships. So I believe a focus on that mindset, a focus on the sales team and making sure that at every level, you know, we're getting them to think in the most positive way to understand how to leverage their selling skills, the technology of the company, and the processes of the company 
to sell to their greatest extent. There's not as much of that kind of thinking as I think there should be in SaaS and cloud today. Let me ask Gerhard a question because I'm a kind of metrics-driven type person. Right? So if I'm going to invest 100000 or a $1 million in sales training, which often is on methodology, process, skill set, right? I want to measure what's the return is measured by close rates or revenue growth or sales productivity, three, six, 12 months down the road. Garrett, if you're going to think about investing in mindset training, do you measure the outcomes the same way? Or is oh, it- absolutely. It is a fundamental difference between metrics and meaning. So if you have a metrics-driven person, you just look at half of the equation. You look at numbers. But when we look at meaning, you look at destiny. You look at something much larger. So to me, the biggest discovery of the mindset was the self-limiting thinking. I remember we had a, an experiment at a mindset meeting where we said, here's how to shoot a hole in one. The first thing is to tell yourself that you can do it to empower yourself that you can do it, then to visualize it so you get your brain trained that you can do it, so you teach your body how to do it. And then we had one of the graduates shoot a hole in one. And everybody said, wow, is it that simple? Well, it is a huge step to move from limited thinking to no limit thinking. We had a graduate of Mindset Retreat say, I'm not sure I want to come to uh, the retreat because I fear flying, I fear of heights. And I said, well, maybe you challenge yourself and give yourself permission to do a tandem jump, jump out of a perfectly good airplane, you know, face your fear and see what happens. And uh, he showed up and he signed up. He jumped out of an airplane. He was scared to death. And then all of a sudden, once he was in free fall with the instructor and really flying and not falling, there's something fundamentally that shifted and he embraced no limit thinking. He said, the sky's the limit after that. And he signed up for a second jump. And after the the jump, he went to his hotel room. It was in Vegas on the 32nd floor. And he says, I've never been able to go outside on the balcony because... I fear of heights. And I went outside of the balcony, enjoyed the scenery. And I spoke to him last week and he says he lives in Toronto. And he says he signed up for a parachute course and he's going to have his first solo jump in June this year. And his fear of heights is totally gone. And it's the same thing with, you know, let's say the addressable market in any SaaS company. You should know what it is. But then the minute you have that number in front of you, that metric in front of you, you still say, well, maybe we can get 10% of that, or maybe we can get 5%. And the people who have a no limit mindset, they say, let's go 50%, let's go 80%. I'll give you another example. Sarah Blakely, when she started the idea of Spanx, you know, she fell back on the mindset course that Wayne Dyer created, how to be a no limit person. And when she was 16, she listened to those tapes like four times. Why? Because her best friend died in a car crash and her parents got divorced at that tender age. It was devastating, but that was a glimmer of hope. And she integrated that no limit thinking into her idea of Spanx. And today she runs a company that's worth over a billion dollars. You know, Garrett, I always like to make sure we leave something for the listening audience, right? That's very specific. And you just stimulated the thought for me. The next SKO 
you know, you go through all the training, make sure you do kind of the positive mindset training before you hand out this year's quote and compensation plans. How many times do you know after you hand out the quota, people are like, there's no way I can hit that $2 million quota. Yeah, I have lots and, and lots of examples that prove that if you change your mindset, you change your outcome in a dramatic way, you're going to feel a lot better about yourself. You're going to function better intellectually. And it also has a physical component. The ideal goal for anybody is to function better on a cognitive level, on an emotional level, and on a physical level. And that's how you become that person that you were meant to be that is unencumbered by the past. So Mark, we're going to have to wrap up. Unfortunately, I could talk to Gerhard all day, but anything you want to add so far to what you've heard? No, I think, you know, the only thing I would close on is if you are listening to this and it seems like it's too qualitative, too fluffy for you, I mean, that's okay. But I think this is really for the individuals who feel that potential is limitless. And then again, you know, we all, well, we've got to all stick with reality. When I was in high school and playing football in college, I would have loved to have played pro football and I wasn't able to. And, you know, I'm at this point in my slightly older age, I don't think I'm going to be able to get there no matter what I think and do. But this is not about that. This is not about doing things that are completely uh, close to impossible. It's about being more productive, being a better you every day, and more importantly, really just getting your mindset in the right spot. Because, you know, we all know, we all have felt times when our mindset isn't where it should be. And it's proven we're not going to be able to deliver or perform at the level that we're capable of when we're at that point. So, you know, I'd love at another time to go deeper in all of this and to maybe bring Gerhard back to go into more what are some of the things we can specifically do to improve our mindset from general things like exercise, meditation. But I challenged our audience to really look at the types of things that the most successful people we know and the most successful people we know, whether they're in business, whether they're in music or actors, directors, when you look deeply, you, you learn one thing. They have learned how to build very positive mindset. And the people who meet those people, if you haven't met them directly, always walk away with a feeling of there's something special there. And a lot of that specialness is, in my belief, around you know being in the right mindset to perform at the highest level possible. Gerhard, we have a listening audience of chief revenue officers, head of sales, and aspiring heads of sales. What last advice would you like to leave them with? Be the person you were destined to become. And that takes a lot of work. People need to dig deeper to understand who they really are so that they can work on who they can become and everybody can do better, everybody can be better, and it's a little uncomfortable to think that way, but that to me, becoming the best version of you is the ultimate goal that everybody wants that. It's not just you as a sales leader. Every one of your salespeople wants to go on that journey, and you wanna see the possibilities for yourself and for other people and help them get there. Well, I sure can't add anything better than that to be the person you're destined to become. 
and for that CRO, allow your sales organization and everyone in it to become the person they were destined to become. Gerhard, thank you so much for joining us today on the Selling the Cloud podcast. Mark, as always, thank you for being my co-host. And to our listening audience, if you found value in today's podcast, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe to our channel and please provide your feedback via recommendation and a ranking. Thank you, everyone. Thank Thank you. you for having me. It's an honor.